Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast with me, your host, the Mad Chatter, Ryan MK, and by my side, as always, at this Dynasty Mad Tea Party of ours, the March Heron, Aaron Stewart. How are we doing today, buddy? All doing good, man. I am pumped. We just had the draft. Yes. It's been a whirlwind few days, but I'm excited to talk about it. (laughs) It has been. It was a crazy weekend. The draft is over and now preparation for the season begins and we have a a long wait ahead of us, but plenty to get into. But first, first, I wanted to say, may the fourth be with you, Aaron. I (laughs) I don't know if you're a big Star Wars fan or not, but it is May 4th. So you must say, may the fourth be with you. May the fourth be with you. I love it. I, I didn't even realize until I looked down. It's like, it, it's officially May 4th when we're recording. I like that. Yes. Yes, indeed. My little surprise for the episode. It's always a big day. Hey, usually free comic book day is right around this time. And the wife and I go hit the comic book store. I did, we didn't do it last year, obviously, with the COVID and everything, uh, you know, but we might be able to hit some comic book stores this year. So that's that's exciting but also this is apparently i found a teacher appreciation week i wish i would known about this every year but i thought it would be good to bring this up just because um well partly because uh scott scott simpson on twitter i follow him uh i like some of the stuff he does and i know he's a teacher and I know he's dealt with some crap through COVID. And so I just say to all the teachers out there, I applaud you for having to deal with everything through COVID. And it's it's been a crazy year and a half for everybody. And, and I just uh, applaud the teachers for plowing through. And same thing with parents such as myself that have taken on kind of a, a teacher type role with kids doing online work at home. So It's just, uh, you know, much praise to all the teachers out there. I know at one point I considered being a teacher, a history teacher. And so I have a very fond memories of the history professor that I had that made me want to, you know, kind of follow in his footsteps. And, you know, so I'm sure most of us have had a teacher or two here or there along the way that have meant a lot to us. And so I got a shout out all the teachers and everybody and and parents that have had to take on teacher roles for a while and all of that much appreciated shout out to all of you yeah same same here uh teachers have been some of the most uh impactful people uh, of my life it's you know sometimes we've all had the teachers that they kind of treat as a any other job check in check out but the teachers that take the time and show the passion there it, it has a an impact on on the students that are paying attention to it for the rest of our lives and you know one of the things that that stood out to me was in college was really the first time I ever truly learned history um in a high school we always had the high school football coaches teach history which means we didn't learn anything Um, right but I had a really cool history teacher at my alma mater I, I went to Texas State University and I had a history teacher that taught um, a player that played in the NBA for, for what, 13 seasons, that Jeff Foster, um, mm-hmm. went to Texas State University. It wasn't even called that when Jeff Foster was there. I think 
pulled it up here. It was Southwest Texas State at that time. So it was just kind of cool. I was huge NBA fan at the time. I was like, what? Like you taught an NBA player, like the only NBA player that came from Texas State. Um, and it was, I, I always enjoyed the class. He made history fun. Um, and it, ever since then, I've, I've enjoyed history. So I'm like, it's just like a story. Yeah. It really is. And, 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 and there's so much there to dive into and to just, and, you, you know, I often think of the term or the phrase, um, I can't even remember it exactly, but now that I think about it, but those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it or something like that. Um, you know, the phrase, <laughs> but it, it it's true. It's like it, it can be such a good guide, I guess, is where I was going with that history. And um, not only that, but I was always super into Western civilization. And I remember I was like, yeah, if I, if I teach, I'm going to do it at the college level. And, and I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach world history and Western civilization. And I'm going to have people watch the movie, Troy. Yes, that's right. I'm going to have them watch the movie, Troy. And then I'm going to have them read the book right by homer and i'm gonna have them give me the differences in them because that that's one of always one of my fascinated fascinating uh, a fascinating topic for me i guess is when you have like a movie a big hollywood flick based on something historic i like to kind of see the historical accuracy accuracy i guess you know right. so it, 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 it i just it, yeah big fan of history always have been um, so much good stuff there. And uh, so, yeah, some very near and dear teachers to my heart pertaining to history. And also to tie it into the NFL, it's like for people that don't follow the history of the NFL, that the GMs, the coaches, you don't learn from what's happened in the past, then, then you're probably got a pretty crappy franchise. So, you know, the, the GMs that make the same mistakes over and over and over, like a Ryan right. Pace exactly Which, I, don't know. I don't know if we can if we can crap on him anymore he seemed to do pretty solid in the draft yeah he he got the justin fields and and some interesting things pertaining to justin fields we'll get into that in in just a second but before we do let's ramp it up with the rest of the nfl news mainly big topic of you know well, even throughout draft weekend was Mr. Aaron Rodgers and, and the Green Bay Packer drama. And, you know, it sounds like, um, well, there's a lot of things that have pissed Aaron Rodgers off. Added to the list, it sounds like he was really irritated they got rid of uh, Mr. Jake Kumaro, uh, I read about. And then it also, it, it sounds like uh, it, the only way he'll go back to the Packers is if they fire the GM, Brian <laughs> Gutekinds. Goonti, Your pronunciation is as good as mine. <laughs> Goonti is what we're going to go with. So if they fire Goonti, Aaron Rodgers might be appeased. But uh, I, I see this going very south. And you got to feel for Coach LaFleur because it does feel like he didn't want any of this. <laughs> it does seem like he, he would kind of prefer Aaron Rodgers be the And maybe I'm just buying into what he's selling um but uh i I wonder if the coach is kind of sitting there like fuck (laughs) who knows the the coach is like the um (laughs) 
hey man i just work here <laughs> right i'm just here so i don't be fine yeah he's clock in clock out and, and it's it's so crazy how a franchise that's won what like was it has it been 26 games they go 13 and 3 both seasons or maybe they went 12 and 4 this past season they've won 25 26 games they've had two pretty deep playoff runs back-to-back seasons and the dysfunction it, it's crazy and maybe that it just is. goes to show just how good Aaron Rodgers is but it is the it's it's such a weird situation might even kind of remind me of uh the last stance documentary on the Chicago Bulls and just how they were so good but behind the scenes you know they they hated the GM um, right. yeah, Dennis Rodman running off and and joining the NWO for <laughs> then coming back for the playoffs yeah so there's some crazy shit in that documentary <laughs> absolutely I I loved it but I think we we're seeing the same thing well they they're not winning titles but the Packers have clearly been one of the NFC top teams uh right. this year and that was that was my pick to win the NFC um and man maybe if they didn't go for that stupid field goal they'd have a chance at beating tom brady but the closest team to taking down the buccaneers during that super bowl run was the yep. Bay packers so despite that all that success and there this has to be the most dysfunctional franchise right now eh, okay one of the most dysfunctional franchises right. so it's crazy because another dysfunctional franchise is the houston texans and uh, the situation with Deshaun Watson not getting any clearer at the moment. And there are some reports that indicate he may not play in uh, 2021. I guess I probably should have finished up with the Aaron Rodgers stuff. We'll circle back. So Deshaun Watson, there's a good chance he's going to be missing time regardless. Could this be true? Could he just not? be available in 2021 is there there a chance for this you know the nfl has some weird rules like roger goodell's got a lot of unchecked power i i don't see why he couldn't suspend him and you just you follow the signs here it started with all the sponsors like leaving deshaun Watson. it's like uh uh-oh that's that's a damning sign right there and then it was during the draft, during day two of the draft. I'm sitting there watching, and, and I, I jokingly turned to my buddy I was watching the draft with, and I said, hey, the Texans will probably draft Davis Mills um, you know, <laughs> and make him the next franchise quarterback. And then they drafted Davis Mills. I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. So, yeah, for a team to have the amount of holes they had, and no first round, no second round pick, and yet they still took a quarterback, which would have been – the eighth quarterback off the board. Right. Actions speak louder than words there. Mm -hmm. The Texans are clearly preparing for worst case scenario. And then Adam Schefter is also like, he, he's talking about, he's hearing from league sources and we know if Shefty is saying something, pay attention. So man in dynasty, if you didn't get out from Deshaun Watson at this point, you you just stuck with them. You're not going to get, a trade offer that makes you jump for joy or make you push the button. I hope that you listened to, to Ryan and me when we said, yeah, you need to, where there's smoke, there's fire and you need to get out from Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I only have him in one league. I'm still trying to move him. 
we'll see what happens um yes definitely and then i guess one real quick thing on zach Ertz, and um i guess before i get into that i was going to say one more thing on watson if you haven't gotten out from under him it might be too late yep so it might be at a point you just hold and see what happens but if he's still on your roster you have to prepare as though he's at least going to miss a chunk of time if not the whole fucking season right but uh moving on back to earth sounds like there's still trade interest in him but the asking price is too high i know my brother as a Bills fan, there's a lot of chatter in, in sports radio in Buffalo that uh, the Bills are trying to go after some Zach Ertz. Uh, not a lot of faith in Dawson Knox, uh, apparently. Mm-hmm. So they w- they're making a push for Zach Ertz is what it sounds like. But you got to figure they, they're going to move him at some point, right? Because they're not just going to oh. cut him. Well... And I'd be hard pressed if, like, if he's not. I mean, is there a chance he's on the Eagles the entire twenty-one season? I have a hard time seeing that. But yeah, um, kind of my observations with Zach Ertz, and of course, you know me. I've dug into the contract here. Right. The the reason there hasn't been a trade is, yeah, sure, the asking price is too high, but teams have gotten smart in in the NFL, like they why trade anything of any value when you know the Eagles are going to cut him if they can't get anything? The fact that they couldn't get any, any draft picks during, during this draft when they had holes to address, like that was a telling sign. Um, I don't believe the Eagles drafted a tight end. So it's like, they don't, they, they don't have a plan to replace him. I mean, I know Goddard's there, but they utilized two, two tight ends. But the thing with Zach Ertz's contract is we sit here and it's the beginning of May. We are approaching June 1st. And one of the, the terms you'll hear it, with contracts is a post-June 1st cut or a post-June 1st trade. We've talked about right. it with Julio Jones getting traded after the draft and being designated and just to quickly talk about how that works is that's a way for teams to save more money because they spread out the the guaranteed money. Basically, if they make Zacherts a post-June 1st cut, then they're going to save all of his salary off their salary cap. So that's going to come out to about eight and a half million. They're on the books for the guaranteed money just for 2021. The next season, they'll pay the rest of the guaranteed money. But here's a kicker with with Zach Ertz is that his contract is one of those weird contracts that has voidable years. That was a Howie Roseman like uh, trademark right there is he would sign players to long contracts, but it's like the final year or two didn't actually exist that after the season. Zachary's contract shows it's through 2023, but 2022 and 2023, there's a little contract in, in there, a little note that says the contract voids at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So that it makes sense to just move on from him before the season. It's his days are numbered. Um, okay. So then the teams that are, that are being linked to Zachary, you're not going to see a Zachary trade, or if you see one, there's going to be a team that may be way down. I don't think anyone's going to claim him, so they don't have to worry about money. But 
maybe he gets traded for a late, late, late pick, like six round at best, mm. but teams are going to wait. Like the Eagles have no, they're hoping a team makes a trade, but that's the only reason they haven't cut them yet. But pretty soon they'll move on from them. Knowing our luck, it's going to be tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. And tomorrow they'll also announce Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos. Right. That'll happen tomorrow too. Although I did hear there's Raiders interest. Don't go there. (laughs) Please don't go there. And and Uh, there's a dark horse team too. I don't know how it'd work out, but you know, it's fun to see what Vegas has in the new Orleans saints are the mm. third team. It's right. I want to say it's Broncos and then Raiders were the highest odds. And then the third was the saints. I was like, well, that's interesting. That is interesting. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> that, that would tell us that the Packers are I mean, obviously if you lose the MVP, the reigning MVP, you're going to be going through a rough patch there. If they trade them to the Saints, it's clear that the Saints gave them the most draft picks right. and the Packers are like, we're going to start drawing love and we're going to be bad for, for a little bit. And we're hoping to like build around them. So right. it could happen. Yeah, it could. It could. I just want to see him in Denver for fantasy purposes and and also because I, I, I live right next to Denver. So I imagine that would be a whole lot of fun. Not that I'm a huge Broncos Absolutely. fan, but <laughs> that would just be fun. Um, but yeah, so Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't go to Denver, I imagine the Broncos well, they're never going to live down the fact that they passed on Justin uh, Fields. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like there was another team in play for Fields had the Bears not moved up and snatched him. Mm-hmm. And that would be the Minnesota Vikings. And this is a very interesting report, and it makes sense they went after Kellen Mond now, but so he was another guy they liked. They apparently did their due diligence on these quarterbacks, right? And they were prepared to take fields, which is exactly why they traded back, huh? This is all making sense. It's all making sense. It's like pieces to a puzzle, and the puzzle's coming together, and it's like, holy shit. Rick Spielman's kicking some ass with some of this stuff. And so they missed on fields, but it's interesting to know. And it it's almost as if Spielman has been listening to me. And he said, Oh, that that mad chatter is right. Kirk Cousins scrunches up every time he's about to get hit. We need someone that can move and get mobile outside the pocket, extend the plays. Yes, we'll look at this draft. We'll look at a Justin Fields, yes. And we'll look at we'll look at a Kellen Mond, yes. I feel like he was listening to us, Aaron. Because this Absolutely. shit I've been saying for I've been bitching about her cousins for <laughs> so I feel a little bit validated. <laughs> but it's nice to see that that's the direction they were leaning. That's what I want to hear. That's what I, not just from the bike, but any team. Yes, even though we have Kirk Cousins. If Justin Fields make now, it's too bad they didn't move up to get him either. But the Bears did it. It is what it is. The Vikings have Kellen Mond. But tell me, what what else do you have to say about this? Because I found it fascinating. 
that was a fun story because yes, like it was, it started with the Vikings moving down from 14. So it, it's so cool to already have the information of why they traded down from 14, which was they, they were targeting Justin Fields. They couldn't quite move up to get him, or, uh, or I guess they were waiting for him to fall. I don't know. They should have been more aggressive. They had four third rounders, including the second pick of the third round. It's like the Philadelphia gave a third round pick to move from 12 to 10 and Fields went at pick 11, it's like, could that second pick of the third round and one of the other three third rounders, would that not have been enough to move from 14 to 10? Maybe not, but they moved down. Mm. They still probably got one of their, their other top targets there. They got an offense. Sounds tackle. like it. Yeah, and it's like that offense, there's Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, like they've got the skill position and tight end, of course, Herb Smith. It was it was great for them to go. You know what our offense needs the line. So it was. I feel good for Kirk Cousins in the short term because of that. Right. But then when in the second pick of the draft, the three hundred two, they went Kellen Mond. I almost leapt out of my seat. I have been a huge Mond fan like this entire rookie uh, just period here, where mm-hmm. I'm like I like what I see from this guy. Like he's not a first round guy but he's a guy that's got the type of talent to, you know, if he could go somewhere and sit for a little bit and, and develop, because that's, that's the type of player he's been. He did it in the SEC. He, he continued to grow each and every year. It's not a finished product, but you got to love the fact that he, what started three years, uh, and I don't know how many games to start freshman season, but he's got a lot of tape on the SEC there. And with Kirk Cousins, he's not going anywhere for this upcoming season or next year. It's, right. I love right. it. It's all guaranteed money, but you know oh, what? Yeah. You tell me you got a quarterback that could sit for two seasons, develop, no rush, and he's exciting as a backup quarterback. Who were they even putting at backup last year? Was that Trevor Simeon, or is, or is he was he long gone at that point? Oh, man. I want to say Sean Hill. That may <laughs> – but that was maybe two years ago. I don't remember. Yeah. Like they, they have like, you look at their other backup quarterbacks and you start to connect the dots. You go, it makes sense. Even if Mond just ends up being a, one of those usual third round quarterbacks that like spends a decade in the league. It, it's at least nice that they were able to address the quarterback spot, mainly because they had 11 draft picks, but Mon mm. is a guy to keep an eye on too. And I'm having a hard time of figuring out where he's going to go in Superflex. but of the three guys that um, outside the, the big five of him, Davis Mills and Kyle Trask, like, A, I thought it was funny how close they all went in the draft. They almost right. went back to back to back. Right. But Mond has been the guy that I've been, this is the one I'm highest on um, in fantasy football. And still with their situations, yeah, I like Kellen Mond the best. Yes, I agree. And I think it's also important to remember another third round pick, third round quarterback, who uh, actually went on to be quite a bit of a stud, also a bit of a mobile guy, right? Also a bit of an arm, Mr. Russell Wilson. So I feel like, you know, it's possible. And certainly if he's, you know, in a good spot. And even though Kirk Cousins' contract, I mean, he's going to be there for two years, yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean he'll start. I could see he's going to get through this year. 
But couldn't you see some year at next point, at next at next year at some point, him potentially if he runs in any trouble, there's going to be fans probably screaming for Kellen Mond. You, you know, I could see it happening in that second year, that switch, because they know that's the final year of the deal. So it'll be interesting to watch. We'll have to see if he develops. Um, You're right. He could just end up being a backup, but it certainly sounds that's what they want him to be, at least for now. They want him to basically back up Kirk Cousins, and then we'll see from there. But we'll see how it all plays out. But I, I agree with you. I like him outside of those top guys. That you, you got to put him six, if you ask me. You got to put him six. So I love it. I love it. And speaking of the draft and, and Kellen Mond and all of that, let's go ahead and get into some more draft chatter. And we'll do a, just, just a quick, quick recap of day one and two. Sound good, Aaron? Sounds good. We we had the the bonus uh, podcast, so yeah, you're right. Yes. Let's let's yes. do a quick recap. All right, let's take a break. Come back, quick recap before we get into day three stuff. Mm. We are back. We are back. Ready for some draft chatter. The bladders are empty, feeling much better. Well, mine is, at least. And I'm sure some are thinking, you know, why don't you pee before the podcast? And to that, I say, I do, good sir or lady. I do pee before the podcast. But you see, we do this very late at night. And I, well, I'm going to be honest, I tend to pee a lot throughout the day anyway. TMI, maybe. Uh, But I drink a lot of water. Water's good for you. I drink a shit ton of it throughout the day. And then when it comes to potting late at night, I add in a good amount of caffeine. You see, yes, good swig of water. Water is great for you people. High quality H2O. Mm, 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 mm. But then I add in the caffeine. And then, uh, you know, then at times the bladder ramps it up a little bit. I don't know, to be honest. And then, the, so there's people probably now thinking, well, why are you even talking about it? Because that's what I do. That's, that's what I do. That's yeah. So, but we move on quick recap of days one and two. I'm just going to kind of go by position really. And we begin with quarterbacks. The biggest move really was Chicago trading up for fields. We've kind of discussed that whole situation. Could have been Minnesota, could have been a lot of teams. And then Mac Jones obviously falls to new England the top two picks go as usual, Trey Lance to San, or as thought, as figured, and Trey Lance to San Francisco. So is there anything to add in about the quarterbacks other than we talked about Kellen Mond and how much we like him, Kyle Trask to Tampa Bay, okay, and then the whole Davis Mills to Houston thing. Um, is there anything you really wanted to add in? Because I feel like we've hit a lot on the quarterbacks, and it's something people in general will talk about ad nauseum as well, so... Yeah, there really isn't anything to add. Uh, the Justin Fields, like that was the only interesting storyline. We knew the top two quarterbacks. We had a pretty good idea that Mac Jones, like if it wasn't San Francisco, New England was the popular pl- uh, place. Mm-hmm. And going into the draft, I know people are like, maybe Justin Fields for San Francisco, but it was down to Mac Jones and Trey Lance. So it's 
Fields, his landing spot was the only fun storyline, the only thing that nobody predicted at all. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, because everybody thought Lance to San Francisco was a possibility. Yeah, Fields was really the only surprise. And we'll get into our, our thoughts on, on kind of rankings a little bit later. So we'll just keep it moving at running back. Najee Harris, ATN, the only ones to go in the first round. Javonta Williams in round two to Denver. And then you get Trey Sermon drafted in round three. And disappointing, that's it for the first couple of days. That's it. Only four running backs. Um, a lot of guys. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of guys. In general, we're kind of disappointed with the class. But there's a handful of guys that we kind of figured would go at some point in the first couple of days. And so a little disappointing with that. Um, we'll obviously get into some of our favorite day three picks. But as far as the running backs in the first couple of days, it's just disappointing and 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 I, I just uh oh uh, <laughs> that's all i got uh, and, and you're right like the if there was anyone that was gonna have a hot take and i don't know have trey sermon ranked as their rb1 and that person knows who they are um like the the nfl draft showed exactly what teams thought of it, it wasn't once Najee went to pittsburgh at 24 it, it was like a run of the good running backs, which, well, that was only ETN Two. and Javante Williams. <laughs> and, and after Javante Williams, who went in the third pick in the second round, that is nothing to, to scoff at. Trey Sermon, the fourth running back, was towards the end of the third round or with compensatory picks, maybe just slightly past the middle of the third mm -hmm. round. So that's that tells you everything you need to know, like your top three running backs, and we'll discuss rankings there, but your top three better be in some order, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams. Mm -hmm. I agree. And that's all I got for, for that on running backs. Cause blah. wide receivers, <laughs> there's a lot of wide receivers. Uh, and I guess, I mean, I'm not going to run through the whole list again. We're, kind of doing a quick recap but some of my favorites were Rashad Bateman to Baltimore um I know there's a contingent of people out there that don't believe Lamar Jackson is much of a passer or that they're gonna the team's gonna want it I'm telling you people Lamar he may not be the best thrower of the ball but he can throw and they're really going to make it a point to throw and they're getting him some better weapons to do so. So I really like the Bateman to Baltimore. I like Ron Dale more to Arizona. I, I, I actually like, even though I'm not the biggest on the player, I like Devontae Smith to Philly. And so the, those are some of the ones I, I really liked from the first couple of days of the draft. What about you, my friend? Yeah, the, I thought the interesting thing was Waddle before Devontae Smith. I was starting to hear um, some rumors of that and that's a pretty telling sign there that the the NFL seems to love this black box athlete now Waddle Waddle's game has always been speed but it was mm -hmm. it was interesting to see Miami go Waddle over Smith Devontae Smith still lands in a good spot uh, enough of a spot to where I'm like after kind of reassessing draft capital and landing spot I'm like this that's one of the best case scenarios for Devontae Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
one of, I want to point out, you were pointing out favorites. I'll point out some of the ones that I've left scratch my head was Josh Palmer went in the third round to, to, to the chargers and they have a need for a receiver. Um, right. So it's like, there's opportunity, but like, I really don't know much about this player. I know he played at Tennessee and Tennessee has had some questionable quarterback play. He's one of those guys that I've got to go back and revisit because you, know, you look at the analytics, not a lot of stuff pops out, but Mm. You know, I'll, I'll go back and I'll I'll dig deeper into a situation. Maybe I might find something that that stands out to me. And then Nico Collins was a huge winner. He went to the Houston Texans, and that's a we talk about opportunity. There's Brandon Cooks, and then the number two receiving role in that offense that could be anybody. I mean, the incumbents is like Kiki Kuti and Jordan right. Atkins, the tight end. So. Hey, for Nico Collins, I'm not, I wasn't really sold on him going into the draft. I, I get it, size, speed, but I'm like, where, where's the productivity? Like nothing at all in his, in his profile was a productive wide receiver. So I kind of get a Miles Boykin type feel. Oh, he's big. He's fast. He would have been a first round pick in the early, right. <laughs> like the early 2000s. So I'm, hesitant but for a guy like collins there's opportunity and besides that those are the ones that kind of caught my attention i dig it and uh then we go to tight end and this is fairly simple pitts went to atlanta okay which was starting to point in that direction before the draft Fryermuth went to the steelers and now you can call him pittsburgh pat you don't have to worry about the Friar Muth part. <laughs> and that happened in round two. And then in round three, you had a few go. Hunter Long to Miami. Tommy Tremble to Carolina. Trey McKitty to the Chargers. So some interesting ones in round three. Any thoughts on what happened there with the tight ends that maybe we hadn't talked about before? I, I think I, I'm the more I look at Tommy Tremble... I'm I'm becoming a little more intrigued. I think that's my biggest takeaway since we've chatted is, is the more I look at him and the situation, because it clearly feels like Ian Thomas is a no-go and it, you wonder, could this be um, to replace him? And, uh, and I do I, I find myself liking him more and more. So, uh, mm-hmm. but, but that's my biggest takeaway since we've chatted last. Yeah, Trimble has excellent opportunity because his competition is converted wide receiver Dan Arnold, in which Arnold is going to be a receiving threat, but Trimble can do the typical tight end things. And and Dan Arnold's no lock to be like the starting tight end. So yeah, with Ian Thomas, just my goodness, I'm not sure I've seen a tight end perform that poor with that type of opportunity. So Trimble has opportunity to be productive as soon as this upcoming season and then even going forward that there is no long-term commitment to any other tight end so Trimble is a guy that has been rising up the board and Trey McKitty out of nowhere uh, I know that there's some people that talked about like traits but apparently the the Chargers in a, a moment of silence for Donald Parham it seems that the yeah. team is dead yeah uh, and I I know McKitty is a different type of tight end. He like Trimble is more of a traditional tight end, a guy that can, that can block. Um, but most notably was a guy that wasn't drafted 
in round two or round two or round three. That was Brevin Jordan who had a free fall. And Brevin Jordan was consensus in everyone's rankings, like they're in their top four. Some people had him as high as tight end two. Um, so it was crazy to see team after team after team pass them by teams like right. the Jaguars teams like the Colts teams like the the Panthers and the Chargers that went with different tight ends so it's it's a pretty damning sign for Brevin Jordan there and I, I hate it oh I hate it but you have to adjust accordingly so that's that's my takeaway poor Brevin Jordan yeah yeah such a bummer such a bummer and not just him but Quentin God, what was his name? Quentin Morris. Yes, Quentin Morris. I had I had some hope for him as well. And it's just such a bummer. <laughs> you landed on your brother's favorite team. I want to say you went to the Bills. I, I'll have to verify. Because, you know, the undrafted guys, it, man, to get all that information. But I want to say he did actually go to a team where he could maybe play. I'm not seeing him, but don't quote me on that. I, I okay. think he went there, though. I will be researching undrafted because I'm hitting that bad boy again this year for player profiler, trying to bust out that crystal ball for the undrafted players. So I'll be, we might discuss a little bit of that business next week. We'll see. We'll we'll see. Love it. Little, Little potential spoiler. So we go from day one and two and we move on to day three. And we're not gonna, you know, like, go through every little bit of it. Let's just talk about some of our favorite day three picks. Let's do that. I was trying some sound effects there, but (laughs) fail, fail. You suck, you jackass. Well, that one worked better. (laughs) That one was perfect for us. Of course, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, and with this, I'm going to kind of go by position again and uh, we'll go running back and wide receiver and then tight end because I mean from what I remember let me get back into my thing here what the hell was there for quarterback there was one the Colts took uh, the Texas Ellinger yeah (laughs) so yeah after okay oh no no sorry there was there was another one too Ian Book the Notre Dame guy to the Saints Saints. yep that's right Interesting, interesting. But as far as favorite day three picks, uh, at running back, I mean, how can you not kind of dig Michael Carter to the Jets? I mean, I mean that's got to be in there. And I'll be honest, this whole Kane Nwengwu, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but he went to Minnesota. And as you know, as much as I love Dalvin Cook, I do believe there's a chance uh, he, he's going to start declining here real fast. And I think, I think Alexander Madison may not be the answer the Vikings had hoped for. So you looking at this Mr. Kane. Now let me pull him up real quick. I'll, I'll do it on the damn phone. I should have had it pulled up before. This guy's got a kind of an interesting profile, man. And I'll be honest, I really wasn't on him before the draft. So when I'm looking through these picks on day three, it is a little bit surprising. But you look at this dude's workout metrics, 
And it's crazy across the board. Just high percentile across the board, 437, 40 yard dash, that's 99th percentile. 96th percentile in speed score, 86th in burst, 85th in agility. So then you look, oh, college dominator. Ah, what's going on there? College yards per reception, just above average. College target share, oh. I just, so it, 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 you wonder and you start to look through the games and it's just, he just wasn't used. He just wasn't used. Now, this is at Iowa State. Not, uh, you know, one of the top programs in the country. Not sure the competition he had to deal with. So I haven't found enough to really look into the guy's backstory as far as why he wasn't getting production. But he sure as shit has That's some workout tricks. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Got, Thank you. Yeah, so the, 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 the two answers for that is the guys that were playing running back during his time. And one was David Montgomery. Was one one of the running backs oh, during it? <laughs> David Montgomery was there, and then right as David Montgomery leaves, there's this other running back that comes in that people are going to know about in, in Dynasty sooner rather than later, and that's Brees Hall, who may be the top the top running back prospect in. I want to say it's this upcoming season, 2022. No, you're right. So, I do I do know who that is, and and yeah. just real quick, you suck. Yeah, that's for me not for you that's for me <laughs> i'm looking at i was seriously looking at his profile like who the fuck could have been his teammate and i was trying to think who the fuck came out of iowa state god damn david montgomery <laughs> shows you how much i love david montgomery and also potentially how much pot i smoke but that's another story <laughs> so anyway it, it continue on Aaron. Well, I thought his best comparable player was an interesting one because mm-hmm. Corey Grant is a guy that people forget about because it was only he was only NFL relevant for just a flash of a second. That shows how right. quickly things can change in the NFL. But he was a he was a running back that had the similar workout metrics that were just mm-hmm. off the chart, but didn't do anything in college. And he was at a big college. He was at Auburn. And you're like, man, why didn't he do anything? Well, they had Trey Mason. Trey Mason was a thing in the NFL. Trey mm-hmm. Mason had a 300 carry season. They had Cameron Artis Payne. That guy lasted forever, it seems, in the NFL. It's just mm-hmm. a backup guy, but about 600 yards, six touchdowns. Corey Grant had a season where he had just under 700 yards in college and averaged 9.8 yards per carry. And that's kind of what he did in the NFL. He had the one season in way back 2017 where he had 248 rushing yards and averaged over eight yards per carry. And I remember people, Leonard Fournette was there and people wanted to see more Corey Grant. The same like explosive athlete. I do you remember? And so we and when we talk about player profiler, just absolutely absolutely nailing the player comparison. The the Vikings guy, Kene in Wangwu, I think uh, that's about how I said it. But, so you got me. <laughs> but like it is wow, like it, it's be interesting to see how they utilize him because we don't know anything about him. He barely right. played in college right but with those workout metrics it'll be fun yeah. he'll at least be mike boone and and 
should have the athleticism to contribute on special teams. Hopefully we can kind of see some on the field because man, I could see him having that Corey Grant type season, you know, out there mm-hmm. averaging seven plus yards per carry. So yeah, you never know. One. Yeah. It could be some untapped potential there. And for me, I don't feel like Alexander Madison is that big of a hill to climb. And yeah. it, I was at times a bit surprised in the past couple of years that Mike Boone didn't do it. Although when Mike Boone got some opportunity, he, you know, he wasn't always as productive. So it'll be interesting to see how that backfield shakes out, uh, well, you know, behind Dalvin Cook, definitely. Because he's interested. Kane. And Wong Wu. And I'll take a running back too, because you know okay. we have, we've talked about the obvious Michael Carter. Like that's I didn't even spend any time doing notes. He's obviously a winner for day three. But right. another one went super late in the seventh round, and it's like okay, day three picks already have a low hit rate, but why the yep. seventh round? And it's more a landing spot, and it's Jared Dokes, Cincinnati running back that went to the Miami Dolphins, and yeah. we like Miles Gaskin. We ultimately think that Miles Gaskin got through the offseason about as scotch free as you can. Like, no big name additions. There was worries about Aaron Jones. There was worries about Travis Etienne or Najee Harris. And they opted to wait till the seventh round. But the Jared Dokes guy is interesting. I have to give credit yep. to people on, on Twitter that really brought to my attention that in this class, he was actually one of the more athletic running backs. He had a spark X score in the 68th percentile. That's, that's not bad. Like that means he should be athletic enough to make it in the NFL. And he has good size, 5'11", 228 pounds. And his workout metric of note is very impressive. 127.2, 87th percentile burst score. For anyone listening that doesn't know where we get stats, playerprofiler.com. You mm-hmm. absolutely need to go and check it out. That's the way to find these types of gems. And in my notes, I just have a look for the seventh round running backs. We have four seventh round running backs. Man, I liked Jamar Jefferson and Kylan Hill more than Dokes. Stokes is kind of borderline. I, I was paying attention, but not, not putting a whole lot into him. I didn't really, I didn't have him in my rankings. It was like just missed the cut. But of those seventh round running backs, he landed in the best spot. Like Gaskin is the only hurdle there. And there's not, there's no significant money or draft capital. And they wanted to do something different at running back. They did. And Mm. Gaskin, he was productive, but he wasn't the guy they were looking for. So fairly Stokes with his size could pair up nicely with Gaskin. And he's, he, he has solid, probably unspectacular uh, stats, but solid, like nothing that it wasn't like Jamar Jefferson, who just sucked at the workout metrics. Like Dokes is He's intriguing. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Looking at his profile, I I had to be turned on to him as well because I, I wasn't as familiar. Um, and I, I do have one more going in the fifth round. The only running back in the fifth round was our guy, Kenneth Gainwell. Now, I actually like this landing spot. I sneaky like it. Because behind Miles Sanders, did did they add anybody? Oh, they brought back who? Who? Oh yeah, I'm not even going to bother mentioning him. And and they do have Boston Scott, correct? 
they still yeah, have Mr. Scott. So not a lot in the way of, you know, being right behind Miles Sanders, if you ask me. And so I think it's not a bad spot for Mr. Gainwell. I did day three isn't great, but as far as going in the fifth and going to a team that actually has, you know, the possibility of some depth chart ascension is what I was trying to say there. I like it. Oh yeah, with Kenneth Gainwell, oh, it pains me. I was sitting there, I know some <laughs> people from Memphis, and I was like, yeah, I think I could see Gainwell going in, in the third round because that's where a lot of mock drafts had him. He had an intriguing skill set, and then he didn't go in the third. I was like, oh, okay, well, he'll be fourth round, especially Atlanta sitting there at the top. It was a fourth yeah. round. So that, that the fall nice. was, was painful. The fall was painful, but right, Gainwell, and an interesting an interesting plan potential plan for him is you look up the head coach is Nick Sirianni, who is form previous offense coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. And he utilized Jonathan Taylor slash Marlon Mack is like your more traditional running back, but was able to create a role for Naheem Hines as his just a receiver right. in the backfield. And if you look at Kenneth Gainwell, I I don't know if he was the first person to do this or the first person in a while to do this, but Kenneth Gainwell was one of the few players in college football to have over 200 receiving yards and over 100 rushing yards in a game. So let me repeat that. Kenneth Gainwell in a collegiate game had over 200 receiving yards and over 100 rushing yards. When I started hearing the Naheem Hines com uh, comparison, the role there, I was like, that that makes sense. So right. especially in PPR leagues, Gainwell's value, it took a hit because we were really open for like round three draft capital. But it's redeemed by where he landed and that potential role he could have. Anyone that had Naheem Hines knew that you had a solid floor flex play. You can put him in there. Right. He's going to get a few catches. That's what we're hoping for with Gainwell in Philadelphia. I like it. I like it. Not perfect. Like we said, round three to like Atlanta would have been great. Something like that. But, you know, as far as it's not worst case scenario. <laughs> and Certainly. for receivers, we'll move on to receivers. Um Amon Ra St. Brown, another one that fell a little bit that people are kind of on. He goes to Detroit, where, again, you talk about competition. Well, shit. I mean, I'm a fan of Tyrell Williams, but he's no, like, otherworldly talent. So, other than that, not much there. I mean, there's potential there for St. Brown to really make some noise. And then uh, another one I actually do like, <clears throat> I'm going to have to keep praising Rick Spielman here, but this Amir Smith-Marset, another guy I wasn't as familiar with pre-draft, but you look at him, not the most impressive workout metrics, but 71st percentile burst score. And you look at, Breakout age, 62nd percentile. He's got some decent numbers. Now, again, here's another Iowa State 
Is there anyone I'm thinking of? There's a bust from Iowa State. <laughs> Why can't I think of the name? Because he's a bust. Who am I thinking of, Aaron? Help me. <laughs> well, you're going to offend some people because you're saying Iowa State. He's at Iowa. I know they're so... They're so <laughs> That oh Amir, shit! Amir, that's right. I I'm, should know that I'm, I'm from a, Iowa. Maybe that's why I don't care. I'm not from I Iowa, but I've I've I, lived in Iowa. <laughs> I do. Always it's bad there, too, man. But... Holy crap! Those people, though, it's insane. I I've been with people, and their families have like the inter rivalries, and they just hate on each other. <laughs> it's like, great. I, I know there's a rivalry, but they like they play an opposite conferences too so yeah weird, weird yeah but weird, they play weird. each other once a year <laughs> and, man i'm trying to think you said there's a wide receiver uh, from iowa hakeem butler he was iowa state that's where the iowa even... state came jesus from. some people might that's wonder right. why we don't go back and just edit the past two minutes out because I don't do that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fun that we have these conversations because we know that at least Hakeem Butler playing in a completely different school, we can't go, yeah, Amir Smith-Marset has you know, that, that, that former Iowa player that, that bust. No, it was, it was their rival, which has to like, <laughs> give them some bonus points, right? So it's, yeah. <laughs> but I was sitting there going like, man, uh, I'm sitting here looking at, it and he he's even got the colors. I I, I just can't believe that <laughs> Iowa Iowa State, whatever. Okay, so Keen Butler, not who I was thinking of. So, but you look at his games, and it, again, he just wasn't. His junior year was the most. He had 722 yards off 44 receptions. And I mean, I, I don't know. There's some interesting stuff there. It is kind of curious that he wasn't more productive, but I also know this much. I, having lived in Iowa, they were never like this huge passing team, you, you know. So I, 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 I can't imagine. I mean, can when's the last player to come out of Iowa as a receiver that really made noise? I, I mean, so I, I, I just. I feel like there could be something there. His best comparable is Dante Pettis. I know Dante Pettis, you know, was a bit of a bust. Now, am I, am I, I'm going to start talking myself out of this. <laughs> right. No, live I, on I the think podcast. you're focusing on the right things though. And, and it's the reassuring thing is Josh Larkey's a fan of him too. And, okay. And I know we go, oh man, he's best comparable to Dante Pettis. That means he's going to be a bust. Now Dante Pettis didn't, might not have hit, but Pettis had the interesting things of he had the special teams, um, he had special teams value there. Which, if you're returning kicks, you you're a dynamic player, and that is the case with Amir Smith Barset. Wow, I can get that name off, but no, you're so right. This was the piece I was freaking missing. This is almost mm -hmm. exactly what happened to me with my guy Josh Imitabebe. <laughs> this is That's the, where like that. I was like I, there's something else to why I like him why can't I find it you nailed it so please continue you please continue yeah well just for for players especially if you're going to be drafted on the third day of the draft 
you take a guy like Seth Williams that fell to the sixth round and Williams was a, some people had him in their top 10 before the draft, but the reason why he may not hit in the NFL is he, he's going to be learning how to play special teams. He never really played special teams or at least mm-hmm. like return kicks or anything. That's what Denver says they're going to do with them. That stinks. You got a guy, you're asking him to do something that he can't do, at least with Amir Smith-Barset, like return kicks. Yeah, he can absolutely do that. He could stick around the roster while he's improving as a receiver. He's got his role on the team of returning kicks. I mm-hmm. like that. That's how a guy like Scott Miller with the Buccaneers was able to carve out a role. It's because he's he's the return man. He's not going to get cut. And as he's improving as a receiver and slowly making the way up the depth chart, one point before Antonio Brown was there, Scott Miller was the number three in Tampa Bay. So Amir Smith-Marset, you look at Chad Beeb, Ola B.C. Johnson, moment of silence for B.C. Johnson. Right. Thought there was a chance <laughs> that B.C. could have been something for him. Me too. But Me too. I know Minnesota doesn't run a lot of three receiver sets still, even if you only run two receiver sets and you're the number three receiver, you're an injury away from getting big playing time. B.C. Johnson, Ola B.C. Johnson, he was getting – heavy playing time his rookie season and even the first couple of games of the mm. sophomore season there right. is a there's a path there and so i think you're focusing on the right things he's dynamic and also just if you're going to be a fifth round pick at least go to a team that you can return kicks and also the depth chart is not really a hurdle to overcome right and and the special teams was the good way to go because that's what I was going to say was the special teams is a pathway in the NFL. It really is. It, you, you can find if you're bam on special teams, like you said, right off the bat, you don't have to learn it and you can get in there and play it. Yeah. You already just about solidified yourself a spot on the team because they love those great special teams players. And then if you can stick around and improve as a receiver. And again, the depth chart, nothing that Chad Beebe, Ola B.C. Johnson, you mentioned it. B.C. Johnson, I had a, a hope for him as well. He didn't do enough with, with his opportunity. And we don't know the future of Adam Thielen. He's, he's going to be fine for this year, but we don't know after that. He's getting up there in age a little bit, and, and he's been dealing with some injuries in recent years. So we don't know what the future of that is. We know that Justin Jefferson is pretty much the man there. So that leaves a lot of doors open, I would say. And, and yes, with the special teams and everything, there we go. Thank you for helping me pull that. <laughs> so t- Look, I've kind of talked myself into him as well because I am familiar with the name. I, I'd say, I'm being perfectly honest, I don't have him in my rankings, but sometimes when I get to talk about players, I'm like, at the very least is, I'll go back and I look back on them. And there are some things to like, so right. we'll see. Maybe he makes a spot in my rankings. I also try to keep my rankings pretty small-ish. Mm. Like I've got... 50 total players <laughs> ranked like that's it and that's because i don't really have interest in guys that are not going to do anything in the nfl but i'm going to go back and look at this guy but mr amir smith marset there is a path there i think you look at let's see let's take a look at fifth round guys sixth round guys he has one of the probably safest safest roles there uh, the safe probably the safest floor, I'd say, 
Because mm. worst case is he just is a return man uh, in the NFL and he sticks around for you know, however long he's good at returning kicks. I mean, who was it? Uh, Andre Roberts, right, has made a career out of just being the guy that returns kicks. Like, right. Like, that could be a floor for this type, type of guy. So at some point, it, he puts it together, has a solid season. So you know, safe floor. He's going to play in the NFL. And that's what we want. You just you need that one chance. He'll get it. Right, right. All right. Well, did, do you have any other receivers that you um, are really fond of as far as where they landed as far as day three guys? Absolutely. I got a couple of guys. I'll make it okay. real quick. Number one was the guy that when we had Cody on, we were talking about sleepers. I was ecstatic because it was <laughs> – the Dallas Cowboys, my hometown team, actually drafted this receiver, and it's Stanford Simi Fihoko. Mm-hmm. Uh, to recap, if people didn't listen to, to our podcast with Cody Carpentier, and you need to check him out on Twitter at Carpentier NFL on Twitter. Hey, he's getting a shout out. He's not even on our show this week. That's but fucking right. Simi Fihoko, 6'4, 223 pounds, massive, massive hands. Like, this draft class, the problem was there was talented receivers and nobody had size. Here was a talented receiver and he does have size. Now he is raw. There's a reason he went in the fifth round, late in the fifth round. And that's because he hasn't quite put it all together. And he's a little bit older of a prospect, but as we talked about, he is Mormon. He had a two-year mission before he joined Stanford. And if you pull up Simi Fihoko on playerprofiler.com, what stands out to me is the speed score. That's 95th percentile. Holy smokes. Along with an agility and a catch radius that's above the 70th percentile and a 40-yard dash of 4.49, which is 69th percentile. Yeah, that's a nice number. we got to give him some credit for that. And he, he produced as a junior 26.6% target share in Stanford, and he left early. Like These are things we usually look for players. That he's big fast he produced and he left school early and he's still growing as a player yes 23 years old may seem like a little too old for a player that's supposed to be raw but like i said two years he didn't play football he was doing his missions so also look at the cowboys they are in a pretty dire cap situation in fact their their former first round linebacker leighton vander esch they had to decline his fifth-year option, and it sounds like the primary reason, I mean, injuries played a part, but the primary reason is they're like, you know, we can't afford this. Um, they're in that New Orleans Saints territory. Michael Gallup is going to be a free agent this year, and Fihoko, what separates him from Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb is he actually has size. C.D. Mm-hmm. Lamb and Amari Cooper are built pretty similar. They're more of these, like, uh, I don't know, the, the, the flanker, like slot receivers. Like that's right. what CD Lamb ran a lot. And Simi Fahoko has well, the Des Bryant size. I mean, that would be wishful thinking for him to be Des Bryant. But also right. when you look at the best comparable players, it's that you, should, you shouldn't let this be the way you do your rankings. But it's nice to look and see like what, hits a player has in the profile and the top three for Simi Fahoko. Oh my gosh. It shows the upside. All Sean Jeffrey, Kenny Galladay, Cortland Sutton. Are you kidding me? These That's are the crazy. top three. Now, number five is 
Amara Darbo, the former Michigan oh, yeah. receiver that never did anything. So that shows like this is a high ceiling, low floor, but shoot, in rookie drafts, he's probably gone up rankings. But I'd say in the fourth round, you could still get him, and there's a lot of upside. The the other guy, I know, I said I was gonna be short, and I need no, really that's all right. shorten it up You're for good. Shy Smith. But Shy Smith's my other guy. Shy Smith, I didn't even get to talk um about him with you and Cody on, on the last show. So a little background with Shy Smith. He played at the SEC, played at South Carolina. He has a late breakout age 20.9, not impressive, but the workout metrics are he's got some good ones not exceptional but he's got some burst some agility he ran a decent 40 yard dash of 4.51 but some of the things that he did do is yes he had to play in a senior season um but that senior season he had a 28.8 percent target share that's impressive like anything that gets mm. close to 30 percent, i start going oh like i i need to see i i need to look into this a little bit and why did he play? Like, why didn't he come out early? Well, one of the players he played with was uh, Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards was a player profiler and breakout finder darling. And, and right. he was so good. It was just a matter of he played with great talent. There's another receiver, too. Not to apologize. I'll have to apologize. Sorry. I have to apologize because normally I, I will have that in my notes. And I'm lacking that with Shai Smith. But there was another receiver, too, at South Carolina. So it just it happened to be that the reason to have this early production is he played at an SEC school with some other receivers that got drafted. Shai Smith drafted in the sixth round in Carolina. Um, his best comparable player is a, another SEC player, Stedman Bailey, who he, I remember he was Stedman exciting. Bailey. Yeah. You, you remember him? Oh, my goodness. He I sure was, do. And I said SEC. I I just offended West Virginia fans. Later, West Virginia, and he was exciting. He was dynamic. He was, uh, I, I think he returned a little bit of kicks, but he was just one of those guys you got the ball in his hand and he made plays happen. And it kind of goes down a rabbit hole here. But when you click Stedman Bailey's page, his best comparable is Antonio Brown. So it was Antonio Brown, sixth round, Shai Smith, sixth round. Mm. He has this mold and the athleticism of something we've seen work in the NFL. And of his top five best comparable players, Shai Smith has a Tyler Lockett comparison in there. We talk about a dynasty stash. Yes, you're going to have to stash him. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are the top two guys. And they drafted Terrace Marshall. I get it. I know they drafted Terrace Marshall. But as soon as next season... Robbie Anderson's probably gone because Terrace Marshall is that, that same mold of being a, a kind of lanky 6'3 receiver with a little bit more size than Anderson. And then it's who steps up at the number three receiving role. They have veteran David Moore. And, mm. and Moore was solid, but Moore right. is he's your typical number three, number four receiver. It, it's not like he has the strong hold on that receiving role. So Shai Smith, I'm going to be watching them, especially preseason. I'm going to be like listening and trying to get insight from, from people that follow the Panthers to be like, how is he doing in rookie mini camps and training camp? If he starts to flash a little bit, like if I don't already draft him on my team, I'm going to be picking him up and I don't mind stashing him for a year and then seeing where he's going to be next year. He could, I think that there's, 
there is greater than a 0% chance that he's the number three receiver in Carolina. If Anderson moves on, Terrace Marshall's number two, and Shai Smith is the number three in a slot role. It, there are some exciting things with Shai Smith, and he's practically free in your dynasty rookie drafts. I love it. I actually, I like both those guys. <clears throat> um, I picked who I picked, but I kind of figured you might talk about Simi. So, <laughs> but I, I like you giving me that one. <laughs> I, I, I like the Shai Smith one though too because I agree with you. He's he should be easy to stash too because people are going to be like, yeah, they got lots Six of receivers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I'm down. Those are the kinds of guys I like to stash. Like Olamide Zacchaeus. I Olamide Zacchaeus. I'm not sure exactly. Olamide. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I had him stay. I finally let him go this off season, but I had him stashed for a, a, a few years, man. I was, I was like, I, I just feel like it. This guy's got a great profile. Just never hit. It happens. But um, yeah. so talking receivers, we move on to tight ends for day three, no sixth or seventh rounders went uh, the rest of the tight ends were drafted in the fourth and fifth round. Yeah. No sixth. No tight ends taken in the sixth or the seventh. And, you know, we mentioned the Brevin Jordan situation <clears throat> to Houston, the land of, of you know, tight ends that just go to waste. <laughs> Cahale Waring. Uh, Jordan Thomas and Jordan Aikens were there. They, they, I didn't, I wasn't in love with either one of them, but they both had a couple interesting things about them. But nothing ever came from them. I mean, I guess you could say there's still hope for warring, but now you add in Brevin George. But really for me, I got to go. Our boy, Zach Davidson. I'm going to let you talk about him because I'm actually going to talk about Noah Gray because I find this to be my other landing spot that I really liked because you look at this dude's profile, 6'3", 240. 467 40-yard dash. That's 80th percentile at the position. 99.1 speed score. That's 63rd percentile. He's above 60th percentile in burst, above 70th, near 80 in agility. He's got some workout metrics. Now, you look at the breakout age. 76th percentile. I really like some of this dude's profile and you look at his fucking catch rate, man, his freshman year, five for five receptions. That's a hundred percent catch rate. That's pretty easy, but, you, <laughs> but then next, next year, 20 out of 22 targets, then 51 out of 72, 29 out of 45, but he's maintaining a pretty high catch rate. So, you know, plays for Duke. Obviously, doesn't have a ton of production, average college dominator. But despite that, there's so much to like. And at some point, Travis Kelsey's going to start breaking down a little bit, you know. And last time I checked, there wasn't a whole lot behind Travis Kelsey. And why not? I understand fifth round, but I got to tell you, when it comes to tight ends, I'm, I'm a little more willing to invest in day three because sometimes they can come 
from those because the thing with tight ends is as we know it takes some time to develop and this can be i mean we've seen in recent years some of the more top tier guys out of college can come in and contribute right away but it is a tough position because you're having to learn everything so there's a lot of times that even higher round you know higher picked tight ends take time to develop too so you know there is the chance for these later tight ends to make it. And I kind of like this Noah Grace profile. And I want to see what happens, uh, uh, you know, behind Travis Kelsey this year, because this is a very interesting name, in my opinion. And it's someone I'll probably, I'm I'm, I'm known for kind of just stashing bunches of tight ends because I'm like always waiting for that next one. I had a lot of George Kittle because of this. (laughs) So like, I do tend to stash some tight ends. So this is going to be another one I'm going to add to my list. Now, how about you, Eric? Well, and I got a couple. And what's fun about tight ends is that we don't have any overlapping ones. Um, I'll I'll briefly, Davidson is not one of my guys I wanted to talk about. But for people, I mean, there is just the fun fact that at his college, he is a punter. He was a punter right. that then played tight end. He only played tight end one season. And yes, teeny tiny college. It's like South Missouri State. But he had, was it, 40 catches, 874 yards, 15 touchdowns. And I did not expect him to get drafted. So once again, the Vikings are just my favorite team in this draft because they're drafting <laughs> guys that I just loved, like you know, Kellen Mond first, and then Zach Davidson. I was like, yes, they actually drafted Zach Davidson. So it'll be fun to watch them. We'll see. There's no workout metrics. I got nothing on this guy. But right. my, my first guy that, that I have was I, I knew the Colts were gonna go tight end. The the question then became who are they gonna go? I kept going, they're gonna get Brevin Jordan because he kept falling. I was like, this makes sense. It was like any running back when the Falcons were on the clock. I was like, they're going to get the running back. But Kylan Granson, he is short. He's 6'1". I I won't say that he's small because despite being 6'1", he is 241 pounds. So he's He's got BMI on him. That's good because kind of his game is that he he's a speed guy. You look at his profile here on playerprofiler.com. It everything is 75th, 75th percentile or higher. And the speed score is low because mainly the height, but he ran a 469 40-yard dash. He has burst and agility, which helped with the 16.0 yards per reception, which is 86 percentile. Yes, mm-hmm. he was beaten up on, on Rice and SMU opponents, but still, it, it was impressive. He had a breakout age, get this, 18.4, 98th percentile. Mm-hmm. So he broke out early. His thing was he, he actually had – he, he was playing at Rice, something happened, and he transferred. So he had to sit out a year, of course, for, for transferring. And then he went and played at SMU. And that the final, his two seasons at SMU, he averaged over 15 yards per catch in each of the past two seasons. And the role, like his, his role, what the Colts do is they utilize multiple tight ends. Like they have a platoon. Last year, it was mm-hmm. Bo Alley Cox, Jack Doyle, and Trey Burton. And these guys will play 30 to 40 percent of the snaps and Trey Burton in particular was he was fantasy relevant last season for a handful of weeks and he finished with a season stat line 28 catches 250 yards and five touchdowns 
that put him at tight end 23 in points per game. And, and like I said, there was there was a two to three week period where if you were streaming tight end, Burton would probably give you the touchdown and, mm. and, and help there. And I know touchdown's not sticky, but but I look at Kylie Granson and I compare him to like Trey Burton and I go, Granson is just the superior tight end, especially like the fact that Burton was still learning how to play tight end in the NFL. Granson, you don't have to worry about that. He's coming in the NFL as a tight end and he's just a better athlete and he is going to be a sneaky weapon there in, in for the Colts. And, and I, it, I could see him putting up a Trey Burton stat line and, and especially being used in the, in the red zone with five touchdowns. He had a nine touchdown season in SMU. His first season at SMU, he scored nine touchdowns. So watch out, watch out for Granson. Plus like you look at that, like look at that big old smile on his player profiler page. Just, you know, you can't help but root for this guy. Now the other big old smile and that catch rate, (laughs) a catch rate. And yet there's a tight end with an even more impressive workout metric. And that's because he wasn't, I don't really know what he is exactly because he's so raw. And that's Jacob Harris, who the Rams took. And I'm loving this one. Now let's address some of the things here. The, the major flaw, if you're looking at player. Did they put him at tight goal, end? They still have him at receiver, but, uh, but the Rams drafted him as a tight end. So oh, okay. he is going to play tight end. Yeah, ESPN like still has receiver and everything, but he is going to be a tight end for the Rams. Oh, I like this. Because I remember so looking at him, he was someone I considered adding into my receivers, uh, my receivers list. Yeah, this this guy's interesting. Oh, yeah, because the, the big flaw on on the surface of this profile is a breakout age of 23.4 years old, which is a whopping second percentile. Normally, if a player is breaking out that late or if they don't even have a breakout age, it's like, why should why should I even care about this player? Mm. There's always some context to put with Jacob Harris. And that is Correct. he when he entered college, he started off playing soccer for a different school. He played for Florida Gulf Gulf Coast University. So if he's 18 years old, he goes and he plays soccer at a different school. Uh, when did he, he actually had to walk on to Western Kentucky. He then moved back to Florida and he started with a scout team at Central Florida where he walked on as well. He made his mark as special teams. These are, I like these types of players that have to scratch and claw for everything they have. Nothing was given to them. I like Uh, it too. Different athlete different athlete he had to walk on to two different schools and work his way from scout team this isn't like the receivers i'll pick on Devonte smith Devonte smith when he came in he didn't have to do this type of stuff like yes right he might have had to sit behind a calvin ridley or something like that but talk about harris had to earn every single snap he got i love it he played receiver at Central Florida, and you know what? His final season there, he ended up scoring eight touchdowns on 30 receptions. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, he's 24 years old, but guess what? He's still learning how to be a football player. And then the thing that that helps with this transition to tight end is, hey, he's he's got size. He's 6'5 and 219 pounds. He can put on weight. Soccer players usually have kind of this big frame, but like they're skinny. Like he can put on weight. Like right. that will be his number one thing. <laughs> Just put on some weight. 
and the workout metrics. Oh my goodness. He's, he ran a 448 40-yard dash, and that was his worst workout metric. Everything there, the bar is at the top. I can't wait until player profiler changes his comparable, his best comparable players, because right now they still have him as a receiver. So he comes out yep. as Bryce Butler as a receiver. And that's not that's not the end of the world because there is context with Jacob Harris that we talked about. So now he could be this athletic tight end. There's one thing that helps for tight ends. It's athleticism. We saw Darren Mm -hmm. Waller, who was the same, like he was six, six and 215 pounds at Georgia tech as a wide receiver and transitioned to being a tight end and had to overcome alcoholism. Um, But we could we we see that that is an extreme outlier but we've seen a player of a similar build with similar background be able to be successful in the nfl you got a fifth round or if your draft's only four or four rounds like you got the last pick in your draft and you're like what's this pick going to do for me how about take take the take one of the players that has i think the most upside uh in the entire draft just because he's still raw and yet, despite his rawness, he was drafted in the fourth round. I really like both your calls, man. Um, definitely, because we, we were waiting for the Colts to take someone, and we were hoping like a Brevin Jordan, and we were hoping in the first couple of days. But it's interesting. It's interesting for sure, and I, and I like Harris as well. Seems like a bit of a project, but we'll see. We'll see. They still got, you know, good old Tyler Higby there. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not the biggest fan. But speaking of, we talked about Zach Davidson, who's a punter, turned tight. I just wanted to bring up, I don't know if you saw, but Pittsburgh, in another funny move for their draft, drafted a punter in the seventh round. A, a 250 pound punter. This is no lie. <laughs> He's a big dude. That. That's amazing. He's a big dude. Uh, uh, yeah, Presley Harvin. Um, <laughs> look him up. Drafted in the seventh round. Yes. He's 5'11. <laughs> Anyways, they have him at 263 pounds. He's a big old boy. He's like mini Rottlesberger. <laughs> he is like Holy. a wrathless punter i like it the wrathless punter you know back when ben Roethlisberger was fat so i guess he's still <laughs> hey, this is still is he's fat. still a chunky boy he's he's chunky we got a chunky punter i just want to see the punter run like like punt and then try and tackle the Man, now I gotta find highlights of this guy when we're done recording. Yeah, I, I so wish Harvin. if 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 there was ever one reason I'd want to go back in time, it's I'm gonna tell you when when because before I got super into music, I got super into music. Well, I started really to get into it in middle school, but it was my sophomore year of high school when I just was like, "Fuck sports and everything else." I'm I'm gonna be a rock star. And but I, when I was younger, I played sports, and my best sport was baseball. I, I was a pretty good first baseman despite being shorter because I had pretty good hops, and they loved me getting on base. Uh, I usually batted second, 
because I was very good at stealing bases. They used to call me Flying Ryan. What a nickname. <laughs> and uh, Ooh, I love it. Yeah. So I was pretty good at baseball, but I, but I wanted to play football and basketball more than I wanted to play baseball. And I wanted to be a wide receiver so bad. And I remember a coach telling me, you're just not big enough, strong enough, et cetera. So they put me as a defensive back and I'm like, wait, 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 wait a second. I'm not big enough to be a receiver, but you want me to cover one? Like what the shit is this? <laughs> and, and, uh, but then I got really into the love of defense and, um, and, and just since that time, I've always just had this huge appreciation for defense. And despite being a fantasy football dude, which is pretty much mostly offense and, <clears throat> Um, where the hell was I going with this? I totally lost my train of thought in the middle. <laughs> where's my Where's my train? That what the hell was I talking about? So we were talking about Zach Davidson. Um, and oh, I don't. And the punter. I don't know. And then where, I went to oh. the punter, the chubby punter for the steel. Yeah, right, the chubby punter. <laughs> uh, and then I got into defense. Oh yes, that's where I was going. I should have been a fucking punter like a crazy ass punter and like what you said this all started with you going okay now i'm bringing it back around it's all coming back to me Aaron. it's all coming back so i'm bringing it back around so you were talking about punters need to run i dude i wish i could have thought of that back then and just been like no i don't want to play defense i'm going to be a punter but i will fuck people up after i kick that ball like <laughs> that would be just the greatest shit Absolutely, a tackling punter. So now, I like, like I said, I have to look at this punter because maybe that's what he did. Now, maybe this is yeah. Literally, never heard of him. And, and people listening to this are like, "Why is the fantasy football podcast talking <laughs> about punters?" But, but you know what? Punters are people too. That's why we're all mad. We're all here. mad here. <laughs> all right, <laughs> we're gonna take one more quick break, and then we're gonna come back and get going with our, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Short rookie rankings. Yeah. Okay. So back again, ranking time before we get the hell out of here. And we're just going to kind of go back and forth, talk about where we have guys. Some of it's going to be kind of obvious, right? Some of it, not so much. We're going to have a little bit of difference of opinion, I have a feeling. So let's go ahead and begin with quarterback. I'll start this one out. Obviously, I'm going to put Trevor Lawrence at number one. I think that's pretty consensus. Um, I do feel like there's a chance a couple of other guys could end up being better. Um, but I feel like for now, T-Law's at one. And I have Mr. Lance at number two. Um Landing spot, everything. I'm not going in order. I'm not putting Zach Wilson. As a matter of fact, I have Zach Wilson five. Okay, five. And I'll explain. So I have T-Law, I have Lance, and then I'm going to go Fields. Fields, I feel like, could have gone to a better landing spot, but there's a couple of players there, and it seems like the Bears made the right decision. So you you would have to assume they've kind of learned somewhat. So you hope, you hope. They put a lot more around him. So we'll see what happens with Fields, but he was probably my favorite quarterback going in. 
So uh, even with the Bears, I got to put them at three. But I'm happy where Lance landed. It, you know, I'm disappointed Denver didn't get either one of the guys, but I'm really happy with where Lance went, so I'm putting him too. And then four, I'm going to go Mac Jones because, again, landing spot, landing spot. I just feel like the Patriots wanted him. They were ready for him. They've got a plan for him. And I just feel like he's going to succeed, at least to an extent. Zach Wilson, we know if truth be told, if history has anything to say about it, not all these guys are going to hit, right? I feel like it's Zach Wilson is the odd man out. I know impressive stuff at pro days and things like that. There's just something about his demeanor I've noticed in some videos. And I'm just like, and I know that shouldn't play a part in any of this, but there's just something about him just in my gut. And it just makes me go, I, I just feel like New York, they just settled on this guy without really, I, I, I don't want to go out there and say maybe they didn't want to draft a certain kind of quarterback, but it, like it, it, it just, I don't know. It, it, it all seems weird to me. And I know there's some good stuff to like about him. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I guess if I look at the organizations, the situations all across the board, I'm putting Zach Wilson five um, for me, but also chances are, I'm probably not going to be drafting a whole lot of Mac Jones or Zach Wilson. Um, if I can't get one of those top three guys, I'm probably going to aim for Kellen Mond. So that's where I'm at. Um, and I was almost tempted to really fucking go out there and put Mond five. <laughs> but I was like, draft capital, you can't do it, Brian. You did, the first round means too much, especially with quarterbacks. So We'll see what happens with Mond. Still love him. But uh, so he's my six. But <laughs> I spent too much time on the damn quarterback. Sorry. But that, I know it's a little different, but that's where I'm at. Uh, what about you, my friend? Gotcha. So just like with you, I've got Trevor Lawrence, number one. It's it's high floor, high ceiling. Like you just, I think sometimes people get a little too cute. Um, right. You know, it's like, don't overthink it, Trevor Lawrence. Now, we will already differ with where I go with QB two and I'm, I'm going with Justin Fields, but I've got some, I've got some good reasons for it is I sit there and, and I go Fields and Lawrence have been like the top two quarterbacks in college football since like 20, like, sorry, not in college football, but like they've been tied to the hip since like 20, what, 2017. It was like, they both were even in the same state before they went to college in Georgia and with Fields, Fields dominated at a high level of Power Five conference. And, and I do take that into account with Trey Lance. I will also say that Trey Lance, my number three guy, has this ridiculous ceiling. Like he has the ability to be just a dominant fantasy football quarterback. But Justin Fields, too. Like Justin Fields had 4.51. 40 yard dash 99th percentile it's like he can also run just like trey lance so he has the ability to be the dual threat quarterbacks we like mm -hmm. played at ohio state and was really damn dominant um on through the air on the ground like i i never understood why he fell and yes i do i don't either yeah I, and you know i 
I know I've said this with Fields too, that I have to go back and research because usually when teams kind of shy away from what seems to be a very obvious pick here, I mean, if one team does it, okay, that team's dumb. When a lot of quarterback needy teams, I'm looking at you, Denver Broncos, and like it's like the Panthers, are they really that sold on Sam Darnold? Like it was weird to see quarterback needy teams pass on fields. But yeah. Fields has all the skill. And I'm like, there is something that I'm not sure we will ever find on paper that they're docked him for. But going off what I have right here, I've got him over Lance. Lance is three. Four, I'm going to go Zach Wilson. But it's, I will acknowledge he has the lowest floor of all these quarterbacks. But my goodness, he can make some really impressive passes too. Have, oh, for sure. Like he's got some mobility. And it's, you know, it's, I could see where the upside i could see where the jets have them they might be focusing a little too much on the upside and instead of what he is as a prospect but i would rather have upside over like what mac jones mac jones i think i kind of think of like kirk cousins just the type of guy that he'll be productive he'll oh, have a lengthy career <laughs> but you know you're not really excited about mac jones so I'll, I'll it's more of i'd rather have the upside of zach wilson over kind of the floor mac jones so Wilson I get you. Or Mac Mac Jones number five. I get you, and I feel I'm probably an outlier there, having Wilson all the way back. I just feel like I I just don't trust trust the Jets worth a shit. As somebody's made something on a, a comment on Twitter the other day about tr- trusting the Jets, and I was like, I'd trust my ex before I trust the Jets because I would. <laughs> because it, it, it and so I just feel like there's just a whole lot of factors for me. I'm just like, eh. And it, it's kind of like with Lance and Fields. To me, they're so close. But it, it, I, I lean Lance because I just, uh, again, it's Chicago. So it's a little worrisome. And I realize long term, that may not mean anything at all. But at Trey Lance, I feel like going to better organization, better weapons. And and people will be like, oh, the Shanahan praise. I'm not really, I'm not going to praise him. We don't do a lot of that. The coach praising, people know our feelings on that. But, but people act as though he was some failure with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo's biggest thing was his health, man. When he was starting pretty fucking good, you know, team record and otherwise. So I, you know, people will remember his missed deep ball in the Super Bowl, you know, and and people will likely cling to that a little bit. But really, when it comes down to, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you look at Shanahan and go really either way. Like he's he's so phenomenal with quarterbacks, or look at him and go, he's a failure. I think, you know, he had Jimmy G and he did a pretty good job with him. Now he's getting a guy he really fucking likes. Let's see what happens, you know. Absolutely. So it, but. But again, I, I don't have a problem with it. any of your rankings very similar to mine. So, and we'll move on to running back. You go ahead with yours, my friend. That's well, I'm actually going to go reverse order on this because I think it creates some drama here. You so, know what? That's what we should have done. That's what we should, <laughs> You're so right. You're and so we'll do that with the receivers. So like, well, first off with running backs, almost by default, number five for me is just Trey Sermon. And it's just, he got the draft capital. That's, that's really, yeah. I, I think he's solid i i guess but i wasn't really excited about trey sermon now number four 
maybe this might be a little bit more hot takey, but I, I like Michael Carter. I liked Michael Carter before the draft. I, Michael mm. Carter was my number four running back just because he has a well-rounded game, um, also has a, an elite agility score, 98th percentile, I believe. And what's so funny is like, I saw the measurements and I, I was like, oh, if I have a pass catching running back, kind of short, but like, well, well built. And I was like, you know, kind of reminds me of Chase Edmonds. And then Chase Edmonds ended up being in his right. top. I was like, right. I'll take that. So, you know, we've, we've seen that a Chase Edmonds profile can be productive uh, for fantasy purposes in the NFL and that landing spot, the landing spot on the jets, like that, that's key. Like he, he's got Ty Johnson, LaMichael P Ryan and a whole bunch of nothing like that. That's, that's the draft landing spot helped helped cement his spot in my rankings he was number four before the draft he was number four after the draft Hmm. this is where my rankings may get a little warm for people number three for me Najee harris couldn't fucking agree more i Najee harris i tried to is being a person owns a 101 and my goodness my dynasty league if they listen to this i'm not taking Najee. There's uh-huh. more questions than, than answers at the one-on-one. I, I have a hard time getting past the age, but also some people go, well, you have to look past that, right? So Najee Harris, like I, with these running backs, I'm going to start ranking and I won't go, I'll have to wait a little bit. I have to tease the listeners, but I looked at like the junior seasons for these players too. And, and that's what helped make the decision. Like Najee was good, but like he left a lot to be desirable, especially when I was reading Graham Barfield's, um, his yards created articles, which you absolutely need to go to fantasy, I think fantasypoints.com. Let me verify to make sure fantasy points. Yes. My goodness. If I said the wrong site, that would have been horrible. Like they're worth a subscription there. You get some, you get some great tools as well, uh, along with, you know, you need to be subscribed to player profiler. So Najee Harris, Najee Harris, I think, is just more of a he he had so many yards blocked for him. That was the crazy thing. And like Graham Barfield, he tracked this, and I'm making sure I've got my numbers here. Alabama yards blocked per attempt, 1.8. That's 94th percentile. Well, at the same time, the loaded box, he only had 30% of his carries, he only faced a loaded box 30% of the time of the big three running backs, that was, that was the worst, like the lowest there. The Hmm. other two were at least 42%. Like, of course, Najee Harris was going to have almost 1500 rushing yards and 30 touchdowns. They weren't stacking the box on him mainly because Alabama, of course, was going to kill you at the passing game. Like it just, it's not that he's not talented, but we've talked about it on previous podcasts, him and my number two running back, Travis Etienne, are part of the running back class that I've kind of dubbed the rejects of 2019. These guys mm. weren't even top six running backs from last year. So why, why should we be super high on them? And ETN is, I, I like him in, in the receiving game, mm. but he has some pretty scary stuff in the yards created. It, his, his thing was he didn't really create yards. 20th percentile, 20th absurd and he he wasn't good in pass protection which is not the 
it's not the the nail in the was it the nail in the coffin there but like we're talking about a guy that he had to really work on the receiving game and he's he has come a long way he actually ranked 95th percentile in receiving yards gained per route run 2.4 of course these stats i'm, I'm pulling are from yards created i'm going to try and not or sorry, are from fantasypoints.com. I'm going to try and not give away too much of these numbers because they these guys do have it. Like you have to pay to get um, these this data here, but it's still important. I, I'm open that people that listen and they are going to hear some really cool numbers with Javante. It's coming, but they need to they need to know like this is why you pay for fantasypoints.com. The reason I've got Javante Williams number one is a couple of a couple of stats here. First one, 0.474. Important thing is 93rd percentile missed tackles forced per attempt. Talk about how elusiveness is so important. It's reasons we don't like uh, David Montgomery or every time we make fun of PFF and their uh, broken tackles metric. If you're breaking tackles, it's because they're actually catching up to you. But if you're making people miss, that's more important to me. Mm. Um, and, and I'm sure it's the, the same for you. It's people that are player profiler. We know that elusiveness is more important than broken tackles. Now, those missed tackles force per attempt. I'm going to list the running backs in the database that averaged more, that had more missed tackles forced per attempt. You ready for this? Yes. Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, John Kelly. Um, <laughs> those are the four <laughs> running backs. Those are the four running backs. Outside okay. of, of course, John Kelly, you have Barkley, Mixon, and Cook. That's excellent company to be a part of. Also, here's another fun fact. Past six years, I want to say Graham Barfield's been tracking these running backs, uh, this, this data for, for six years. I may be wrong on that, but six years, there are seven running backs to score above the 75th percentile in both yards created per attempt and missed tackles force. Those seven running backs, Barkley, Cook, and Mixon that we talked about, Christian McCaffrey, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, and Javante Williams. Those seven running backs are creating yards and causing people to miss tackles like Williams is the safest pick here if his yards created uh, like article series that so far he's got the top three running backs in this class Javante Williams he's smashing it out of the park along with he is successful in pass protection 90 92 percent pass protection execution that's remarkable it's the fourth best rate that Graham Barfield has ever charted like it's like you guys need to, people listening, you need to pay for fantasypoints.com solely because of the Yards Created series. And I'm telling you, Javante Williams, RB1, like forget it with Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. You, if you're in one quarterback leagues and you got the one-on-one, trade down. Trade down to try to get 104, get some extra draft picks, and you're either getting Jamar Chase or the actual best running back in this class, Javante Williams. It's remarkable. I love it. And I can only slightly disagree with you here because as uh, surprising as it is, I agree with a lot. And actually, we differ at the end. Um, I actually have Michael Carter as my five. 
And that is because, <clears throat> yes, it's LaMichael P. Ryan. It's, it's Ty Johnson. I actually kind of liked Ty Johnson at one point, but it's those guys. It's Tevin Coleman, uh, Josh Adams. So it's a lot of whatever blah. So sure, could he rise to the top of that heap? Of course. Uh, it, it's the Jets. It feels like even if that happens next year, they're going to draft someone really high or pay a lot of money for someone in free agency. He doesn't feel like a long-term solution. So I give a slight edge to Trey Sermon, even though I like him less as a prospect. And you're supposed to believe in talent, but you've got to take so many things into consideration. And, and there is some things to look at with Trey Sermon's profile. And, and, and he might be a little more oppressive than he appears. And the bottom line, he went on day two to San Francisco. And as you've mentioned on a previous podcast, well, that's the fucking highest draft capital these this fucking team has put into a running back in the past couple of years. So it, to me, that means even more of something. So I feel like they're getting this new quarterback in. They want to bring in some more running back help. Raheem Mostert, 29 fuck years fucking old. Like, is he even going to survive? Is he even going to make the team? Like, so it, it, I, I do think there's... a very good reason to have Trey Sermon at four. Looking at my rankings, I'm with you on Najah Harris at three. Not only is the age scary, uh, but he's, and this is without knowing what you told me about being behind the Alabama offensive line, but I'm just looking at the offensive line he's going to. And it's not as great with a Ben Roethlisberger who's not as dangerous as he once was. And where they're probably going to, yeah, give him a huge workload. He's going to get a lot of volume. I don't think it'll be the most efficient. And uh, at his age, it's going to further add to the wear and tear. And I'm just not really interested. Then you go to Travis Etienne. And as you mentioned, there are some concerns uh, as much positive as, as, as much as there is to like about him. And I also, I'm going to be honest, the more and more I fucking think about it, I, the less I'm becoming worried about James Robinson. I mean, maybe he doesn't pan out long-term uh, in Jacksonville because of, of, of um, Urban Meyer and all of this. And, and but I just want to point out, like, this guy can do it all. Does he have the breakaway speed? And maybe that's what Urban's looking for with 18. Okay, okay. But he was so fucking productive. He was number one in opportunity share, 85.2%. And you're going to look at all of these stats and you're going to say, not likely to repeat it. You're right, especially with Carlos Hyde there and Travis Etienne. But my point is, is that he's very productive when given the opportunity. And you look at his efficiency. Let's go to, where is his weight? First, I want to look at his receiving because one of the things is that's brought up about Etienne is, oh, they want a third town back. They want somebody who can catch. James Robinson can fucking catch, man. He, he, you look at advanced receiving. No, that's not even what I'm looking at. Where'd it go? Snap share, opportunity share, carries, targets. Receiving yards, 14th. Receptions, 9th with 49. Okay. His catch rate was 8th at the position with 81.7%. 
there's good stuff to like about James Robinson. I feel like there's potential. You talk, there's the issues with ATN, the possibility that like James Robinson, I mean, you could forget about fucking Carlos Hyde. Get Carlos Hyde out of here. (laughs) I was never a fan anyway. He's Dunsky. But James Robinson, I think he has the potential to impress the coaching staff. And like, particularly if, if ATN starts struggling with pass pro and things like that, like, how do you take Robinson off the field then? You know, in a third down situation, if your third down back is struggling, but James Robinson can do it. I mean, so it'll be interesting to see, but it, I really do. I feel a little bit more confident in James Robinson than I did immediately after Travis ATN being drafted. Um, because even though it's co- coach speak with Urban Meyer saying, oh, we're going to use, the, you know, the, you know, Hyde and Robinson is the one-two punch and ATN is a change of pace and this and that. And I, I think there's actually a little truth to that. And um, we'll see how it all pans out, but I'm, 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 I'm with you on ATN being two because Javonta Williams and all the stuff you said, and even more than that, like you said, you can trade back because everybody's like, Oh no, this is terrible. He's, he's, he's there to back up Melvin Gordon. I'm like, fucking Melvin Gordon. I used to love me some Melvin Gordon. I have back in the day before this podcast had any sort of a really some semblance of a, uh, production quality to it before I got a co-host before any of that I, I would preach my love for Melvin Gordon but it hits a point he's at that age he's passed Ooh, he's passed and his job is right for the taking I love Melvin I will always have a special place in my heart for him but he's Dunsky and I wouldn't be surprised mid-season if Javonta Williams is already leading that backfield because there's not a whole lot of competition there. And they obviously wanted this dude. Everything else you said about him, this is the guy, this is the guy. And the thing is that nobody else thinks he's the guy. And that's what makes this so great. I love it. It makes it so great. Okay. So it's really cool that we agree on most of the running backs because I did not see that happening. I didn't see that happening too. I thought <laughs> having Javante Williams, like, you know, I know some people when they put Javante Williams, like, you know, I might just put that on Twitter just to be like, you know, just to watch people just, you know, come at me, the Najee and Travis DM. I'm telling you, I got, I have one-on-one and I was like, I hated it because I, I was like, I don't want Najee. I don't want ETN. But oh, I really don't either. The, I really don't either. Yeah. I, and I, I oh, my league mates can't listen to this not until we do our draft, <laughs> which is going to be coming up in, in about a week. They can't listen. Nope, nope, nope. No, because they still no. think I'm taking Najee, and I'm not. I'm here to tell you, there's no <laughs> chance in hell I'm taking Najee. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, and I, I'm so with you on those, the top three backs. So with you. So we go on the top, our, our rankings for top receivers. And I'll start this one. Started at the back. I kind of had a tie on this one. I could, I'll be honest. I couldn't make up my mind between Rondale Moore and Terrace Marshall because I really like where both of them ended up. Uh, yes, there's some competition, but I believe they're both going to have an opportunity 
particularly next year, probably, to really make a name for themselves on their teams. Number four, I have Devontae Smith. Like I said, you know, I'm not the biggest fan. To me, size does matter a little bit. I want you to be able to stay on the field. And I'm sorry, but if I were to go out on an NFL field right now, I feel like I would get creamed. I'm 5'10", about 155. <laughs> I got, I got, I need to do a little more working out. I'll be honest. But also, I keep my shit tight because I, I like the Bruce Lee stuff. Anyway, <laughs> so like, I, I'm not a big dude. I'm not trying to get hit by huge linebackers. And so, it, you know, size is not everything. But it, it is a concern, at least for me, because injuries can pile up for these guys. It just, they can not saying they will. And, but as, as much as I have some of the issues with Devonte Smith and not just the size, but there's other question marks with him as well. Right. But the landing spot, I, I mean, you know, some of these landing spots just make me smile, you know, and it's weird. Some of the whole, you know, teammate player connections we got going on here, but I think this is a really good spot with Jalen Hurts. In Philly, there's obviously opportunity there. So I think this is a good spot for him, as is Jalen Waddle, my number three guy, in Miami with Tua. Okay? Think another good spot. My number two, because it, it's crazy if you don't have Jamar Chase, number one. I'm sorry. It's just crazy if you don't. Yeah, maybe there could have been a better landing spot. but. I don't know where he landed seems pretty good to me. And it, it seems a little more unfortunate for some of the other receivers there, but so you got to have chase number one, but I'm going Bateman number two. I decided it. I decided it today. I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going Bateman too, because I really believe in the Ravens attempt to pass more. And I really feel as though Bateman's the kind of guy that'll fit in with Lamar. Now, we'll see what happens. There's, of course, question marks about maintenance. Really, there's some question marks about a lot of receivers in this draft after Chase. Got a little red flag here and there. But I like Bateman a lot. I like his potential. And I love the landing spot. And so that is where I'm going. I've got that tie at number five. Devontae Smith, four. Waddle, three. Bateman two, Chase one, Aaron, what do you got on receiver? Yeah, and I'm going to do reverse order, but we'll go ahead and say, of course, number one is going to be Jamar Chase. Like, we'll just get out of the way there. That's a it's, good idea. Yeah, like to, well, there was no suspense for that one, but Chase is the most complete prospect, uh, wide receiver prospect in in the draft. Well, I guess now, now rookie, like no longer prospect. Um, and I was hoping it wouldn't be Cincinnati because there is going to be some competition with Higgins and Boyd, but like sooner rather than later, it's going to be Jamar Chase, who remember he was the alpha at LSU when Justin Jefferson was, uh, we'll say a one B option right. and Justin Jefferson dominated, you know, the, the, the NFL as a rookie breaking the NFL rookie receiving record. Right. Jamar Chase was better than this guy. Like Chase clearly the number one. So now going back to the bag list, I struggled too to kind of get my order here. 
but I'm going to stick with it. Number five, I've got Rondale Moore. Mm. I like Moore's profile. I am concerned about can he stay on the field? Like, what's again? I feel like he's going to be an electrifying player when he has the ball in his hand. Right, right. I agree but, with you on that. But playing with Hopkins, the even when he went to the Cardinals, like he did this all the time with Houston, and he never really had a number two guy. Well, Will Fuller when he was healthy, but mm. even when he went to Arizona, the the corpse of Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, they barely saw seventy targets. I sit there and I go, man, that's probably what Rondell Moore is going to see. Christian Kirk is still there, so. Mm-hmm. You're probably seeing somewhere in that 60 to 70 targets for Rondell Moore. I get it. It's dynasty rankings. It's it's longer, but like, is it going to be that way? Like the entire time that Hopkins is there? My goodness. Right. Then we have to watch out that Rondell Moore doesn't become Christian Kirk 2.0. Um, right. We hope that he could be higher than that, but we also have to realize like that is a, that the landing spot in Arizona means that Rondell Moore could be Christian Kirk 2.0, where you're not really satisfied at all about what he's done in his career. Mm. Number four is strictly from an upside standpoint, and it's got to be Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall, I, before the draft, I actually had him as wide receiver two, strictly because if he could get that first round draft capital, my goodness like i don't know what it is like i get like the analytics side we agree he dominated he dominated in college he broke out at an early age he was actually tested well which something this entire rookie class was allergic to it seemed um had size 6'3 205 pounds it's one of the guys like if you would if you were to build a wide receiver um and put him in the rookie class to be wide receiver one, he'd look a lot, he'd look closer to Terrace Marshall than he would any of these guys I have in my top five. Um, but unfortunately, they're just there's something just I don't know if it's in the mental aspect of the game or 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 what, but like he just hasn't, he seems to like disappoint. And I like the landing spot in Carolina. The reason mm-hmm. it kind of broke my tie with him and Rondell Moore is Carolina, they have they're one of four teams in the NFL with 200 or more vacated targets. Curtis Samuel is wide receiver three, almost at 100 targets. Like, whereas I go, Rondell Moore is probably going to see somewhere around 70 targets, and it might even be less than 70 targets. I'm like, Marshall, if he comes out and beats David Moore for the, for the number three receiving role, should at least see 80 targets, should at least see that. So I see just a higher higher opportunity for Terrace Marshall. And then the size that, let's say he could put it together. He's with Joe Brady, his offensive coordinator uh, from LSU. And, and you would think that's part of the reason they took him is they know this guy's talented. Second round draft capital, nothing to scoff at. So it's kind of more of an upside. More of an upside thing with Terrace Marshall. Number three for me is Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman is good. Rashad, like, I, I, it was weird that he came in two inches shorter than what he apparently played uh, played at in college. But Bateman proved, like, all the analytics, um, all the analytical stuff, he he smashed. Like, he had been wide receiver two in the analytics uh, crew 
for, for most of this process here, and I don't hate the landing spot in Baltimore because people keep going, oh, they don't pass the ball. Well, you know, Lamar Jackson had Willie Sneed as one of his receivers for most of his <laughs> career as a starting quarterback. And, and Miles Boykin sure as hell, sure as hell wasn't it. And so now we're finally starting to see weapons there. And Bateman could be the, the top wide receiving option in, in Baltimore. And Mark Andrews, he... He's a free agent after this after this contract. Like, there's a path for Rashad Bateman to be the number one uh, passing option of an offense. I don't care what offense it is. Like, mm. if you're a number one receiver, there there's value there. Like, wide right. receiver three, safe floor. And here, I know it's I'm a I'm an analytics guy, and it feels dirty to put him here. But Devonte Smith, number two, and I get it. It's the weight, like the weight, but I also go, the weight is like the only major question. Like he's extremely productive. Yes, we would have liked to have seen him come out his junior season, not his senior season, but still even that senior season, holy moly. I mean, winning the Heisman is, to, is a wide receiver. That has to be taken into account. Like, hey, if you're going to go back and play your senior season, you better just straight up kill everybody like Devontae Smith. I like the draft capital. I mean, first round pick going to Philadelphia where there isn't any, there, there's not heavy competition. Jalen Raker, he may still have a solid NFL career, but he's not an alpha. He, Devontae right. Smith should day one be the top wide receiver on the team. And Dallas Goddard is going to be a threat for, um, for targets as well. But I, I also look at the junior season for Devontae Smith, where he did secure, usually I look for players to get the 20% target share. And he did get that as junior season, along with scoring 14 touchdowns. And, and that was what, with Jerry Judy, and they had Henry mm-hmm. Ruggs, and the Ruggs not, not successful so far in the NFL, but was still a NFL caliber wide receiver. Um, it was it was a crowded Alabama room. Um, and when he did put it together in the junior season, like he, he put the breakout there and that the senior season, I know I discredit it for Najee and for Travis Etienne, but Holy smokes. Like if you're going to go back and play a senior season, you better do what, what Devontae Smith did. Right. Um, so with weight being the, the main question mark uh, for him, it's a risk I'm willing willing to take. I like going to Philadelphia where that's going to be a bad team. So pass, pass opportunities should be up. That's kind of my tiebreaker with him and Bateman is I expect more volume for Smith than Bateman. Mm. And then, of course, number one, talk about the Jamar Chase. If you don't have Jamar Chase number one, I, I, it may be hard to take your ranking seriously. <laughs> right. <laughs> I agree. Okay, so tight ends. I mean, this is pretty simple. Um, I mean, I mean, do we're probably you have, gonna have the same. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Pitts is obviously number one. Who do you got for two? I'm gonna go with uh, Pittsburgh Cat, and, okay. and kind of my tiebreaker is like I I've been on with Hunter Long. I was I agreed with Cody for for a while. Tight end two, but is there's more competition for targets there um for hunter long in miami but Jacecki's there right and 
I, I have to look at the contract. I can't remember if, I think Jacecki is a free agent this year. So it depends on if he leaves. But the thing I do know in Pittsburgh is Eric Ebron, he's going to be gone after this year. There's no, there's no chance of them keeping him. That's what Eric Ebron does. He goes, he plays for a couple of seasons for a team. He moves on to another team that needs a tight end. And also you know, Juju and James Washington, some wide receivers there are free agents as well. Like mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, Pat could be in his second season. It, it could be him, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. He, he may be one of the top receivers there. Whereas with Hunter Long, the reason I've got him at wide receiver three is he could be behind Jalen Waddle. Maybe they do something with, with Will Fuller if he has a good season here. Um, Parker is still technically under contract. I, I'm not expecting him to last much longer in Miami, but it's just it's it's hard for me to it seems that there is a, there has to be a lot more happening for Hunter Long to be a top three uh, passing option in his offense um, than there is for Passburg Pat, where I'm like, yeah, they're probably going to look to rebuild and not look to spend a ton of money to keep to keep receivers. So Pittsburgh Pat tied in too. Okay. Well, I actually went with Hunter Long. Now you might have almost talked me out of, but but not quite, not quite. Because here's my thing, I did, it, and it's not just with Najee Harris. It's just all around with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm like, what is your fucking plan? Like, I don't have one. <laughs> you didn't address the offensive line in the draft. You didn't address quarterback in the draft. You didn't. What, what the fuck? And so their first two picks, they get Najee and Fragment. And, and, and you look at it at first and you're like, oh, yeah. A lot of guys are probably like, great. Yeah, more offensive weapons for Pittsburgh. Fantasy. Wow. But no, 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 no. Slow it down. Big Ben was fucking breaking down towards the end of last year. We got 17 games this year, people. Like, I don't have faith necessarily that Ben will survive the whole thing or look good doing what he's doing and that could be trouble for the offense mason rudolph had a brief period of time at last year where he looked okay I, you think that's going to come in and be the savior i just I, I i fear for the future of the offense and that i i maybe that's my bias with it is i just i i feel like the offense is going to go get worse before it gets better and 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 while there's a good point with, you know, competition for sure, you know, there's a good chance Miami doesn't resign Gasecki, and maybe that's part of, you know, reassurance with Hunter Long. I think, especially when you've got, uh, when it comes to tight ends, and you know it's going to take them a little bit longer to develop, why not get one in advance if you think you're not going to be able to sign another one? And, and maybe that's just the way to go anyway. <laughs> like who knows so it uh, i don't know i like hunter long a little bit more as a prospect and i feel like they're both landing spots i mean are about the same to me i agree with you on the competition that's a very good point but uh still i'm gonna go hunter long two pittsburgh pat three and then uh you know we got our two late we got some of the late rounders or i guess 
we got a couple of late rounders we like, but four and five would obviously probably have to be uh, Tremble and McKitty, unless you think one of those late rounders should like a like a Kyle a Kylan Granson should sneak up there in the top five. What say you, Aaron? I know I put top three, but I'm like, you know, since we That's have right, pretty similar, yeah. I'm ready for it either way. And probably number four, Tommy Tremble, as we talked about, this is uh, more of your traditional tight end, but also just with opportunity. It's when your competition is Ian Thomas, who literally had no competition and didn't do anything. Right. And Dan Arnold, which is props to him for learning a new position in the pros, but Arnold is not like a serious threat. Um, Tremble, Tremble number four. And then number five, honestly, I'd be willing to take an upside shot there. I don't know about Trey McKitty. I, there's so much like question marks I have, and I'd rather take my flyer on Jacob Harris and just go, hey, oh, yeah. swing for the fences. Yeah, that's a good one gonna, too, man. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna swing for the fences there, and you know, I'll take one of one of if not the rawest tight end prospects that has the top of the charts athleticism i'll roll the dice on that oh yeah i am with you i am with you yeah i was thinking you might go with the indie tight end but i, I keep <laughs> forgetting about harris yes because not because I, I keep putting him under wide receiver but tight end okay okay gotcha harris i'm gonna keep that's another one i'm gonna grab I don't, know, I don't know why I like grabbing all these like tight ends. I know like the chances of any of them, like, you know how it goes with tight ends. Everybody's always looking for the next big one. And yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm, but you know, when you find a couple of years ago, I, I picked up Darren Waller. It's just, uh, you know, there was starting to be some training camp hype and I was like, eh, what the heck, you know, I see, I see all those workout metrics at the top and that turned out nicely. So right. yeah, 99% of the time, they don't become anything, but thing is that they don't hit, you release them and you pick up another one. Right. That yeah. you just, you, it's a lottery ticket. You scratch it. If you don't win, throw it away. Sorry. Sorry. Yep. Tight ends. I know you're people too, but. That is basically how um, the ends of my benches work across my dynasty rosters. It's a revolving door of tight end prospects. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think we uh, had a lot of fun. That was great. We're going to go ahead and end this tea potty. Work on getting the hell out of here. It is late for you, is it not, my friend? Yeah, about 2.30 my time. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Which means 1.30 my time is late enough. Late enough. So we'll get the hell out of here. Oh, next week, we'll do a little rookie draft approach. We could talk about kind of rookie drafting and maybe even do a little mock or something i don't know we'll think about it and and i'll probably bring up some undrafted free agent business and then uh yeah there we go and before we go also i just wanted to point out um i love BattleBots. i don't know if you watch BattleBots. i can't remember if i've ever brought it up on the show with you here before aaron but i'm a big fan of the robot fighting and it's a bummer because the season ended not too long ago, and I was like craving some battle bots. And they happened to make another show on Discovery Plus. And I have the Discovery Plus app because, well, I get it. 
a year for free. But I would pay for that shit anyway because I'm a big fan of the Science Channel and Discovery, and I just I love space and science history as we as we've talked about. I love all this stuff, so I love the app. But it has BattleBots, Bounty Hunters, and it's like two episode mini tournaments and they have like a legendary bot is the bounty and then the tournament goes through and then the winner of the tournament fights the bounty it's great so if you love battle bots man i do suggest checking that shit out on i think they got a plan on cable now too but it was originally just on the discovery plus but man if you like battle bots or you just like robots fighting each other and blowing each other the fuck up check out that shit battlebots bounty hunters have you ever seen it have you ever seen it i haven't but it sounds intriguing i mean who doesn't like you know the idea of robots fighting each other (laughs) as long as the robots aren't fighting the humans then we're okay (laughs) no no this this is great it's really like if you've never seen it it's basically uh they have teams that build these bots and they're usually um, they're like big versions of remote control cars, basically, but they all have weapons and stuff. And you have some that have like a, like spinning drums on the front and others that have like a spinning blade. Um, and then you have like vertical spinners, horizontal spinners. You have flipper bots that try and flip you in the air. Uh just different kinds of bots, but it's it, some of the, the designs and things that they do. Very interesting. It's a lot of fun. And then, of course, you get just robots beating the shit out of each other, which is great. So highly advised. It's another thing I suggest for you to check out, my friends. <sighs> but other than that, let's get the hell out of here. I, I don't even know. I'm sitting here plugging battle bots and Discovery Plus. I don't work for them. I don't get nothing from them. <laughs> but I'm a fan of the stuff. So, I, you know, you know. Let's get out of here. Do not forget to check out our written content as well on the playerprofiler.com. Not just our content, all the content on the site. Draft kits are going to be coming out here in a month or so. Lots of good stuff coming from the site there. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter as well. The March Heron at AronStew09 on the Twitters. And of course, me at RMK Madness. And don't forget. I don't know how many times I've said don't forget in the past 30 seconds. Remember is a different way of saying don't forget. (laughs) Remember, we also have the Twitter account for the podcast at DW underscore pod. So make sure you get on that as well. All right, my friend, I think it's time to say goodbye. Do you have any final thoughts? Oh, no, it was it's a blast that we got through the draft. It's fun digging into these rookies, and I am ready for my rookie drafts and my dynasty leagues. Fuck Let's yes. go. Let's go rookie drafting. Hoo-wee. I believe I got one starting tomorrow, so I'm excited. Excited. All right, everybody. As always, much love to you all. Stay safe. Stay vigilant. Stay mad. All the best of us are. Until we chat again. And, and from the Dynasty Underland pod, the March Hair. We say, Tata. Welcome, ladies. Welcome.